Today on the show, we're going back to 2014 when I recorded my first interview with a small business owner who just so happens to be my business mentor, my boss, and my dad. Hello and welcome back to Open for Business. This is episode two. I'm your host, Anthony Murphy, and a very big thank you for tuning in today. Well, I am super excited to be uh, recording episode two of the podcast. The website is now up and live, the new Open for Business website. You can check that out at openforbusiness.net.au. There you'll find uh, the first episode and the blog, and you'll also be able to subscribe to receive a copy of my top resources ebook to help you launch a startup, small business, or your very own little side gig. So I just wanted to check in with everyone and see how you're going, um, give you a little bit of an update on Open for Business. So the first episode of the podcast went live a couple of weeks ago now, and it is going to be a weekly podcast, but I did hold off till the um, new website went live, which that happened uh, earlier this week. Super stoked about that. And now the podcast will be coming at you on a weekly basis on a Tuesday. I'm hoping to have each episode uh, go live on a Tuesday. Now, if you're one of the 157 people that have already listened to the first episode, a huge thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And I'm hoping that you're keen to tune in today's episode as well. Let me know um, what you think of the shows. Leave some comments. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you didn't like. I'm always open for some uh, constructive criticism. I'd love to know what you think about uh, the podcast as well. Now, there's also a couple of things which I wanted to clear up um, after I've listened back on the first episode. Um, and that is one thing I wanted to explain to everyone is what's open for business? What's, what's in a name? So why is it called open for business? I've called it open for business because it's about you guys. It's about you, the listener. It's about sharing your stories and the stories of young people who are doing great things in business, becoming successful entrepreneurs, and it's all about interviewing those people and possibly yourself and letting the world know that you are open for business. So it's about helping you um, share your business story and um, what better way to do that than on a podcast. So if you would love to be on this podcast, if you've got an awesome little small business, if you're a budding entrepreneur, if you've got a great business idea, or you work in an area that could help small business or young people to uh, in their entrepreneurial journey, please let me know. Hit me up on Twitter or send me an email. Um, the email is anthony at openforbusiness.net.au and uh, I'd definitely love to hear from you. So just before we kick into this episode's interview, I wanted to give you a bit of an idea on what you can expect in upcoming episodes. So on the Open for Business podcast, I want to interview young people from a grassroots level. So there's lots of people out there who are now picking up podcasting. There's lots of famous people out there who are kicking goals with their podcast. 
Um, you may have heard of Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. You may have heard of Chris Ducker from Upreneur.com. You may have heard of Timbo Reed from Small Business Big Marketing. Go the Aussies. And these guys are interviewing people who have already reached high levels of success in their business. They're, could They could be making millions of dollars. They could be meeting super famous people they could be jet setting all around the world enjoying their success which is which is motivational but at the same time the point of difference that I want to make with this podcast is that we're interviewing young people who are just starting out who have um, goals and businesses that we can also imitate and learn from and I reckon that gives us heaps more motivation than, say, maybe having an interview with Richard Branson. That might be inspiring and motivating for some people, but not everyone is going to find that as motivational because he's achieved such high levels of success. He's, you know, he's a billionaire. He works on space travel and all this sort of thing, which is absolutely fantastic. But let's bring it back a little bit. Let's dial the notch down a little bit and get some inspiration closer to home from people more like us, like you and me, and um, that is what Open for Business is all about. Looking forward to bringing you some great interviews in the next few episodes. And it's time for us to jump into today's episode with Jared Murphy from Broken River Ingredients. Now, this is the small business, the small family business that I work in uh, Monday to Friday, and um, Jared has built this company up alongside his brother, Mark, my uncle. And I'm super excited to bring this interview to you. No, my dad isn't a young person. He is uh, heading towards 60. We, um, we give him plenty of flack about that, don't worry. But I wanted to share this episode because he took the time to have the interview with me when I first started out on my podcasting journey. And he does have some great uh, insights in this interview into running a successful small business. And please do bear with me on this episode. The audio is not going to be as fantastic as it could be. I was recording this interview in my car with a Rode SmartLav lapel mic plugged into my iPhone. And um, we'll talk about all sorts of ways which you can record podcasts, but that's a future episode. So enjoy. I This, ep- this interview hasn't been... Uh, edited very much at all so it's raw it's for you guys hope you enjoy it we'll see you on the other side all right jared uh, welcome to open for business uh thanks anthony first question i've got is what's your favorite thing about being your own boss the sheer variety of uh, tasks i could perform in a day the people i can interact with uh during those tasks and um i guess the information uh, gleaned during the day regarding those tasks, the new things I can learn uh, and often do learn. Uh, quite often there can be frustration in not being able to achieve the, um, the outcome in one go and um, having to re- rely on others to help me. It's just the, um, the interaction and I suppose the excitement and the challenge. So do you get a bit of, uh, bit of a lot of job satisfaction I presume? And also being in a small town, um, there's 10 or so employees, so you'd have a bit of uh, job satisfaction and a good feeling that you know, you're provi- providing some employment for, for people in the community as well. Yeah, sure, job satisfaction is a huge part of it, Anthony, and 
getting to know the employees and even customers that come in the door um, and to know that we turn out uh, the best quality product we can uh, and also developing the machinery um, in a lot of cases to uh, turn out that product and being able to design and build machinery that is safe and um, easy and in some cases fun to use uh, for the employees. Yeah, definitely. To tell all the listeners, uh, your brother Mark, he takes care of most of the admin side of the business and, and you yourself are definitely much more hands-on uh, in regards to engineering and the mechanics of all the machinery, etc. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, what are some of the things that you do? Oh, look, uh, Anthony, it could be anything from preventative maintenance, um, which is quite physical and hands-on at times and can be quite... Uh, dirty depending on the operation uh, and greasy um, through to uh, basic design um, outsourcing uh, various expertise to take on that uh, development whether it be shedding or earthworks or uh, landscaping Um, it's just a a huge variety and it can encompass anything from uh, a new product development uh, with machinery uh, and equipment um, through the landscaping of the uh, the new facility, so it, it's just huge. Yeah, that's right. Uh, on a day to day basis, there's so many so many different hats to wear. There's so many different things that are going on, um, and especially with expanding uh, small business, it can be tough sometimes to uh, to fit it all in. Yeah, also, and we don't have a huge budget, so we've got to be mindful that uh, what we do is uh, time and cost effective. Um, and also in the back of our mind is uh, our employees, so we, we can't be reckless with what we have. We have to be frugal, but at the end of the day, it has to be uh, uh, a good product, um, a good service, um, and a good design so that it, it's got longevity and um, uh, economy. So slow and steady wins the race? Well, not so much slow and steady, but uh, it needs to be well thought out, well designed, uh, and really the equipment we have is the best um, that we can uh, achieve. Uh, in some cases with uh, new equipment, it, it's all new uh, from the ground up, uh, whether we manufacture it or have brought it in ourselves. So when you first started, um, many years ago now, um, Broken River certainly looked a little bit different. What uh, Back in the days when you first started as a, as a young fellow, what sort of uh, products were being manufactured back then? Oh, a lot of sunflower kernel, um, buckwheat kernel, um, Hold millet was another one. Okay. Um, another basic grains. Also, back then we did a lot of uh, grass seed. So the focus has shifted a little bit now for Broken River, focusing more on the stone ground flowers um, and other, especially puff products as well. Um, we've moved away from, you said, the sunflower kernel. So it's a bit more, um, I suppose, a little bit more modern as far as the products go. Oh, yeah, look, we've made quantum leaps in uh, the machinery we use, the expertise we have, the areas that we've moved into and the development thereof. Um, we don't do anything in the uh, the seed trade, as it were, anymore, whether it be grass seed or bird seed. Our, our focus is totally on uh, human consumption products. So everybody knows uh, or can find out from our website what products we have for sale. But not everybody necessarily knows um, where the products come from and how they get to us. Back in the early days, uh, you did a lot of contract cropping and harvesting. 
Um, so why don't we just go back um, and we can explain to everyone from the time of planting right through to harvesting and just what's involved. So let's kick off, say, at the start of the year when uh, we'd be planting the crops and what's involved there. Okay, Anthony, well, just prior to planting, uh, in most cases we'd burn the previous year's stubble, so the straw and stems left over from last year's uh, wheat crop, say, for argument's sake, um, would be standing in the paddock and we'd have to burn that because we simply couldn't get our machinery to uh, cultivate through that. So we'd start off, we'd uh, burn the stubble, and that was always an exciting time, bit of an adrenaline rush, and uh, we'd burn the stubble and we'd have a nice black paddock when we finished, hopefully. Even driving past, uh, I know, driving through country Victoria or New South Wales, and you can see uh, the burn-offs happening at the right time of year, and it's even a bit exciting just driving past. That's right, the, uh, the fire generates its own environment, and... Uh, the winds that are whipped up by the flames, it's quite uh, exciting and at times it can be uh, a bit nerve-wracking, especially if the uh, fire gets out of control, but in most cases it's it's fine and it's not a problem, uh, as long as everything's well managed, it's just another tool the farmer uses. That's right, yeah, even for houses close by, um, yeah, if it's that time of burn-off season and, and people are seeing that sort of thing for the first time, normally the farmer's got a good idea of, of what they're doing and it's under control, so it's all done very safely. So moving on, what's next? Well, once the paddock's burnt, um, obviously we've decided what we're going to plant in that paddock. We've got our fertiliser organised and ordered. Sure. And uh, that's delivered to the farm along with the seed. And we take out our combines, um, which have tines or big discs that open the soil. Right. We pull those with our tractor through the paddock. Um, depending on how big the paddock is, depends on how long it takes to sow the crop, obviously. Yep. And uh, we go round and round the paddock. Well, in my day, we went round and round. These days, they go up and back along the paddock. Um, they don't go round and round anymore, but they use uh, satellite tracking to keep everything straight. In our days, it was all manual, and we just went go round and round the paddock, and it was always a great joy to get to that last strip up the middle. I can imagine. And you could punch the air and say, yes, we're done. <laughs> so what time of the year are we talking for sowing? Oh, look, depending on the crop, it could be anywhere from early April through to late May. Okay. That, that's in our part of the world, north, northeast Victoria. Yep. So once the, uh, once the crop goes in, then, then what are we waiting for? What comes next? Are we waiting for big rains? Well, it's always good to sow on a bit of moisture, but if there isn't any moisture and it's sowing time, well, obviously the crop's got to go on the ground and any rain it does get from that point is obviously a huge benefit. Next thing we need to worry about is emerging weeds. Um, we can put uh, various chemicals uh, on the ground or even spray the crop after the, the weeds start to appear. Okay. So um, the chemicals that are used, um, they're still safe for human consumption uh, further on down the track when the grain gets harvested? Yeah, sure. They're, they're world recognised as being uh, agricultural products and everything's marketed and licensed under stringent regulations. So Anyone who does, does use the wrong chemical or the wrong rates can, can be in serious trouble, but farmers are responsible people and they understand that uh, you know, what they grow is a food product either for human consumption or animals and they use their chemicals wisely and responsibly because at the end of the day it costs them money if they do it wrong. Yeah, exactly. And it all gets tested at the end of the day too once, uh, once the grain's taken off the paddock. Um, it's got to meet certain standards and specifications anyway, so... If, uh, if the product that you're buying isn't, say, organic. So that, that's good to know as well. So moving on, um, probably moving through the middle of the year now, June, July, August, um, crops up out of the ground and we've taken care of the weeds. At what stage do we start thinking about harvest? 
Oh, well, before we get to harvest, and if it's a cereal crop or even canola, we'd like to put some um, urea on it just to give it that uh, last bit flush of growth. Right. And uh, maximise our yield potential. Yep. Uh, so normally you'd apply urea or some other form of nitrogen uh, in the spring months um, coming up to, to flowering. Once the crop's flowered, obviously it's too late to be applying anything else. You're just thinking about harvest from that point on. Sure, sure. Okay, very good. Um, and moving on into the harvest, what uh, what sort of equipment gets used there? Well, with with harvesting, obviously you've got a combine harvester or a header, uh, commonly is what the machine is called these days, um, which basically cuts the crop, thrashes the crop and stores the grain in a big tank behind the uh, header operator's uh, platform. Uh, and as it fills, they either have a mobile bin that comes alongside of the header and they auger it out. I think most people have seen that scene on the television. That's right. Yeah. Uh, headers and the bins travelling up the paddock. But these days, the headers and the bins and everything is on a massive scale compared to when we used to harvest. That's right. We're talking tonnes and tonnes of uh, products coming off even small paddocks. Um, and and after it's uh, been taken off the crop, uh, it's into the header. Um, where does it go to then? Uh, well, via truck um, to a silo system. Okay. Either on-farm storage of the farmer or it could go into the likes of Grain Corp or the old wheat board um, or other private storage facilities for the big milling companies. It just depends on who the buyer is. Okay, very good. So when you were doing that uh, contract cropping, um, what sort of uh, stresses were there? Um, a lot of people, uh, especially in metro areas, might not realise um, that it's not all um, peachy when it comes to farming for regional regional farmers. So what sort of stresses are involved um, in, uh, in cropping and farming in general? Oh, probably the main one is always the weather because you never know what's going to happen whether you get enough rain, you get rain at the right time, then of course you come to harvest where well, you don't want rain when the crops mature because it downgrades and the quality of the grain and then of course you get less for your product. So the sure. you know potential storms, you've got fires, you've got weather, you've got hail. Um, the farmer really is at the, the mercy of the elements and they're probably the main battles that he has to worry about. So the, the quicker he can get the crop off, uh, obviously it saves him time, it saves him money and um, every every day, every minute's important. That's right. I mean, it, uh, we've all got to be thankful for those farmers because uh, if they didn't uh, put in the effort there, then we'd all be uh, struggling to find stuff to eat in the supermarket. So, that, 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 look, that's exactly right. And it really doesn't matter at the end of the day whether it's a conventional farmer or, or an organic farmer. They they all face the same challenges. Um, organic farmers uh, have different approaches to weeds and use. Uh, natural products, but other than that, that the farming culture is much the same. Uh, it's simply an input yeah, exactly. situation. So, all right, the uh, the crops come off, it's gone into storage, um, and then there's one last leg of the journey before it comes to uh, Broken River ingredients and we start processing it. So from, from a grain storage site, what would happen before it gets to us? Grain storage site... Um, Look, it would depend on the individual sites. They all vary a little bit as to what they do and how they store. Uh, these days, a lot of product is stored in aerated silos, which negates the need for any chemicals or pesticides. They simply keep the oxygen, uh, atmospheric uh, oxygen 
circulating through the silo and that keeps the temperature down and the weevils don't like that, so they leave the grain alone. Excellent. Very and good. that's the best way to have it. That's right, better for us. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, once the uh, product leaves uh, its storage facility, uh, it makes its way to our facilities. Uh, we're in northeast Victoria, um, and it gets processed on site. Um, and we we take care of the rest. We mill with our with our stone mills. We keep all the goodness in the grain, and um, and then it makes its way into our finished uh, product packaging. And, uh, and then on to the consumer. That's sort of a, a lifeline of uh, where our products come from. And um, it's uh, very rewarding at the end of the day for farmers, uh, if not stressful, but very reward- rewarding. Oh, look, if you can make money from farming, it can be a very rewarding enterprise. Um, all businesses have their issues and problems. But a, a good farm and a good farming district uh, with good seasons, yeah, it can be a joy. And we are pretty lucky in the northeast Victoria. It's a fairly good climate for for crop growing. You often see a lot of the big farms up uh, in New South Wales, and they're talking about thousands and thousands of acres. But uh, there's definitely a bit of a purple patch in Victoria as far as uh, cereal crops go. That's for sure. Yes, definitely. So um, Broken River was uh, developed in order to make uh, the products that you do uh, more readily available to the general public. and the the packs that you provide nowadays, uh, Ziploc, they're easy to pop in your cupboard, uh, and you can reuse them uh, whenever you like. Is it good to see uh, your products now out on the shelves? Yeah, it is. It's very gratifying to uh, see the reward for effort, and it, it's taken time. Uh, nothing's happened uh, quickly. It's it's been a long, slow process, but. Certainly, I, I wouldn't have uh, had another job or, or wished to do anything else uh, over that period. It's been a, a good learning curve, and uh, yeah, we're very grateful for where we are. So, do you use your own products at home? We do. Excellent. What sort of things do you make? Uh, well, Karen and uh, our children make a variety of uh, biscuits, cakes, bread. Um, that's where we use most of the products. So, um, Broken River, we, we pride ourselves on having natural, healthy products. Nothing's heavily processed. There's no additives or preservatives. And do you think that's important in, in today's world where there's such a, a vast variety of fast food and processed food? Look, I think the less you can process the food, the better. Uh, our whole aim here at uh, Broken River Ingredients is to give you a fresh, natural product with the minimum taken away. And in most cases, it's simply a bit of husk that's removed from the product and you have a whole whole grain product. That's so much better for you. With small business being the backbone of employment in Australia, are you proud of where the business is at these days? And and I suppose we touched on it earlier, but um, the way that it contributes to the local area. Um, business is going well, you can expand, um, you can employ new people. Where do you see the business going in the next few years? Well, at this stage, it doesn't seem to be ending in the expansion phase of things as, as our customers require and ask for new products, better products, different processing. We look at all these options. We assess whether we have the capabilities and the skills to develop the new products, um, change the way we produce products to make it easier and simpler. So, look, I think it's an ongoing process. Uh, how big it'll get, who knows? Hopefully uh, onwards and upwards, hey? Oh, look, definitely. I think that the future looks good. Um, but at the end of the day, people have to eat, and we're quite happy to provide them with uh, the best product we can. So for, for other small business owners out there, um, being 
in the current climate in Australia, we're seeing a lot of uh, large multinational companies, um, car companies such as, as Ford and Holden, they're, they're shutting the doors and they're, and they're leaving Australia. Do you have any tips for other small business owners in Australia to avoid the carnage, I suppose? Yeah, look, at the end of the day, you certainly need to earn more than you spend. You need to be wise with your finances so that you don't overcapitalise. And look, cash flow is a huge part of small business. And even if you run an extended overdraft, you still have to be careful. And look, managing your finances is the key, I think. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. Um, I hope that's given our listeners a little bit of insight into the background of Broken River Ingredients and where it all started and uh, hopefully where it's heading. So thanks very much. Yeah, my pleasure. And there we have it, the interview with Jared Murphy from Broken River Ingredients. I hope you enjoyed that, guys. Something a little bit different. Um, I knew that when I recorded that episode that um, hopefully some people would get a little something out of it when we're talking about cropping and sort of that paddock-to-plate aspect of where all our food comes from. So even though it isn't directly related to Open for Business, Still, lots of great learnings. Um, I'm going to share my top four learnings from that episode with you. And um, I hope you got something out of that. Now, top four learnings. Guys, the very first one for this week is that it's important to produce a product of good quality. So we don't want to spend too much time on it. Remember that if you're not slightly embarrassed by your product when you first launch it, you've probably spent too much time on it. But we do have to make sure that it is of good quality. Learning number two earn more than you spend. So Jared made the point there that you can't go spending all of your money all at once. You have to make sure that you've got um, an income coming in that can sustain your spending. So another important one there. Learning number three, look at ways that you can improve and evolve your business. So we can't sit still in business. Everything's always changing. Everything's evolving and we have to keep up with it. Otherwise, we'll get left behind. So it doesn't mean... Um, completely reimagining your business overnight, but you have to try and keep up with the changes, keep on improving, and keep providing great value for your customers. And top learning number four, find a mentor that can help you in your business or that you can learn from. So I'm lucky I have some very experienced business owners in my dad and my uncle from Broken River Ingredients, and I can bounce business ideas off them and that's been a great help in, um, in building my business knowledge. But it doesn't necessarily have to be, a mentor doesn't have to be someone in business. It could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be someone that you admire online. Um, all you have to do is reach out to them and you can use their knowledge and their expertise to help you grow and help you build. So always great to try and have a mentor that you can bounce ideas off. That's my top four learnings for this week, guys. Um, all the information can be found in the show notes for this episode. So if you're not sure what show notes are, don't fear. Show notes is the information that's, um, it's like a blog post that will be posted underneath the um, media player for this on the website. Um, it has all the top learnings listed, an episode timeline, all the links and resources that have been mentioned in this episode. And you can find that on each single episode um, and that'll be live on the website. Now, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, If you would like to help me grow this podcast, I would really appreciate it. 
The biggest compliment you can give me right now is to leave a rating and a review on iTunes for Open for Business. So the reviews are extremely helpful in boosting um, this podcast's ranking and um, helps get the show noticed. So please do, if you're not sure about how to leave a rating, um, check out the show notes. There's a link there. And um, in no time at all, you'll be able to um, give me some feedback and let me know what you think of the show. So this show is made possible by you. Um, it's all because of you guys. Um, it's all about helping helping us grow. Um, I'm on the journey as well. And um, I really hope you can join me next week. There's so many other podcasts and experts that you could be listening to instead. But if you've taken the time to listen to this episode, then I truly do appreciate it. Because without you as the listener, um, this podcast doesn't really go anywhere. So thanks very much. That's it for this episode. Um, thanks again. And remember that you can get in touch with me anytime you like on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Anthony G. Murphy. Or just hit me up on the email, which is anthony at openforbusiness.net.au. Thanks again, guys. Really appreciate it. Can't wait to bring you more great episodes in the coming weeks. Until then... Stay motivated and wishing you all the success in your startup, small business or side gig. 